Hello everybody, it's me Ross and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, the show where fans have their say on their club. And well, after a mental week this week, we have a positive week for once as a town fan after a draw against Oxford and then a win, yes a win at Hull City, um, one of the top three, six, ten sides in the division. We finally have got rid of that curse, we've beaten a team in the top half of the table um, and I'm looking forward to this pod um, for once. I always do enjoy recording it, there's always a lot of depressing chat and doom and gloom going around but today we have some positivity to talk about, a win um, and I'm sure there's other things we're going to moan about but that's what's all about being a football fan in general but um, let's get right into it, let's introduce the guys that are joining me this week. We've got one man making his return and we've got the game day regulars doing the rotation as um, we're chucking in a rotation policy, as Paul Lambert used to do. But yes, let's get right into it then. Let's introduce the man making his return. It's not Tom. His name is Bloomers, because that's the best way to call him nowadays. Good old Bloomers is joining us. Um, mate, it's positive news for once. Um, a win against Hull. We'll talk about the goalless draw first against Oxford. Um, clean sheets galore as well. That's a good positive thing as well. Your thoughts on both games. You, uh, you make Bloomer sound like an alter ego, so I feel like I've got to live up to it now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the Oxford game, um, I think it's a weird one, really. If we'd have gone on to Hull and lost uh, convincingly or, or even narrowly, I think in hindsight, I look back on the Oxford game as quite a negative one, with it obviously being nil-nil at home. Um, but having had the result yesterday, uh, on Tuesday... Um, and also not really sort of, I don't know, I was not paying attention is the right word to it, because I did watch the whole 90 minutes, but it kind of washed over me like so many of these games have recently. I didn't kind of take in the fact that, actually, we probably were quite unlucky not to win that game. Um, Josh, uh, not Josh, James Norwood hitting the post, and then the chance just before it uh, with Parrot was, you know, two golden chances that, on another day could easily have gone in and then all of a sudden it's a 1-0 win and we're talking about seven points out of nine and uh, three clean sheets in a row. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird one, really. I think a lot, a lot of people were quite negative on the game because of how everyone was feeling at the time and I certainly wouldn't say that that's something they shouldn't have been because we all have been feeling rubbish recently. There's been very, 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 very little to be happy about. And then Tuesday comes out of nowhere. Um, for what faults you could give the team and the manager and, and the club as a whole, I think one thing you couldn't say about Tuesday night is the players haven't down tools at all um, in, in that game. I'll speak about just the game in general. We can talk about uh, previous games or, or the general malaise of the club uh, in another chat. But for those 90 minutes against Hull, Every player was was up for it, um, to use a cliched phrase, but it's quite an apt one. We pressurised them. We put them on the back foot. The first 15 minutes was like watching a different team, not one that we've expected to see over the last few weeks. Really took the game to them. And we, I don't want to say we did something, something similar against Peterborough because we didn't. But in like the Peterborough game where we got an early goal and it was therefore a fast start, this whole game, we really were on the front foot and got an early-ish goal with Norwood and Kenlock combining. And I'll let you guys, who probably have much more beautiful words than I can ever 
uh, phrase out, I'll let you describe the goal because it was really, really good, especially for this level. And then after that, it was just a case of doing your job, um, to use an American football phrase, doing your job. Every position, every player did their job. And it was really refreshing to see. It was very much back to basics. It's not going to win any awards for uh, aesthetically pleasing football. But at the end of the day, in a Tuesday night League One away game at Hull City, you're not going to want that. You're going to want a performance where players give what they can give. And then you have the little bit of quality you need to get a result. And that's exactly what happened. And all of a sudden, it's three clean sheets in a row which is an achievement. It's a small achievement, but it is an achievement. So really nice building blocks. Whether, whether this carries on Saturday or it's like a, the very briefest of mirages, I don't know, because it wouldn't surprise me if we go on and, and do a stinker on, on Saturday and lose 3-0. Um, that could be the pessimist in me talking with how things are going at the moment. But, you know, you just have to take at face value a win because I think I said to you um, on the chat after the game, if you can't, I think we actually said this off, off record as well. If you can't enjoy these wins when they come unexpectedly, then you really need to kind of perhaps take a step away from being a football fan because I'm not going to sit here and, and moan about a 1-0 win away at a, a team that was in the top six and especially with the fact we hadn't beaten a team in the top six all season. So I was happy. Um, the only thing I wasn't happy about was Troy Parrott. Uh, I'll leave this as a little teaser for the next person because they might have a different opinion to me. I think Troy Parrott is one of the worst uh, loan signings we've had in a while. I don't see anything from him that could improve the team whatsoever. And I feel like there are players in the side, even perhaps one that's in the bomb squad, which we might go on to a bit later, that could be taking that position because I think he's been a very, very poor performer, especially considering the fact that he's had half a season at a championship club and therefore should come hitting the ground running if he's got anything about him, but has looked one of our poorer performers. So, boo on Troy Parrott. Uh, but yay for everything else. Good win and let's see what happens Saturday. There we go then. I'm going to be chucking that question to the next person as well then and also get their thoughts on the Oxford draw and the whole City win. Um, I want to go over to good old Harvey, the sweet Welsh prince himself, the friend of the show of the main pod. Um, good to have you on as always, my friend. Um, we are fickle as fans um, and, you know, we want to keep, you know, some people will be thinking we're going overboard with the positivity, but we've won a game against a top team and, you know, why not? Enjoy it when we can. <laughs> so your, your, your thoughts on, on, on the two games? Listen, I'm certainly not going to criticise anybody for going over the top. We've had little to celebrate this season, have we? So um, I think we have to. We have to give credit where it's due. Um, Oxford game, I thought we we were okay, um, a lot better than we have been. I still, I saw some people on Twitter were were kind of delighted with a nil nil result because of the form Oxford had been in. I, I'm certainly not in that kind of um, that kind of camp. I still feel like we should be going out to really kind of as soon as the game starts, really um, you know getting their faces, which we did against. Um, which we did in, you know, in, in the next game. So it was building blocks. It was building blocks. I thought, I think the partnerships that we built up over the last few games have been really good. You look at, you know, you go back to the clean sheets. 
I think it's amazing what, what happens when James Wilson's in the side. Um, I think he's, as a defender, I, st I still think he's our best defender. He's not a ball-playing defender like Luke Wolfenden is or like perhaps Mark McGuinness is, but he does the simple things really, really well. And I think that's exactly what any team in this league needs. Uh, he's never anything less than a 6 out of 10. So I, I was really, really pleased. I thought the whole result, I don't think anyone, I don't think we could, this has been a situation for a long time. I don't think anyone could say that we didn't deserve to win that. Um, it wasn't this obsessive possession style football that we've been kind of glued to all season, whether that's through the fault of the manager or the owner. But it was it was really, really good. Um, it was great to see Norwood play. Um, he is building a, in a relationship with Parrot. I I do disagree on Parrot only because his his finishing has been has been pretty poor. I'm not denying that. Um, but regarding his kind of move from from Millwall to straight to League One, he was he suffered a really bad injury at Millwall, which kind of dented his confidence a lot. Um, so he is going to take a run of games to get where he needs to be. Uh, he's playing in a slightly different position in a number ten, where he's predominantly played as a number nine his whole career. And I think there are glimpses there of, of a good partnership between him and Norwood. So um, I think it's far too early to judge him for me. Um, but in the main, I think we've been we've been very good. You know, like has been said, it will mean nothing if we don't, you know, carry on from here to get a good winning streak going. So we need to build on it um, because if we were to make the playoffs, we've got to have at least nine or ten wins from now until the end of the season. So um, we have to build on it. Does it change anything long-term for me? No, not at all. Um, I came on this pod a few weeks ago and said we could win the next 10 under Lambert and I still want him out. That's just my opinion. Um, but it is really great to see that we're putting a good run of performances together. We're building good partnerships all over the pitch. Um, and again, of course, I'm not going to complain with our record against these top six sides. I'm certainly not going to complain that um, over a 1-0 over win in the and the clean sheets that we've got. Um, but it's building blocks now. We've just got to continue on that right path and hope that uh, we'll kind of continue to perform the way we've been doing over the last two or three games. Definitely. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to get too carried away, but it's just nice to finally once on the podcast talk about a win and a win that was well-deserved. It wasn't one of those wins where we scored late on against Shrewsbury or just about beat Burton. It was actually a win against the top side. So I'm gonna, that's the last time I'm going to say a top side because it's Hull City in League One. Ross, shut up. Um, I want to go over to good old Liam, um, who's joining us again this week. Um, a man who I watched the game via Skype. Uh, me and him, our normal thing we do on Tuesdays, normally moaning and stuff like that, but we were surprised to see us win. Um, your thoughts? on both the games as ever, my friend. We got a good performance against Oxford. Um, could have been better, but it, in, in, the, in the scale of what we've produced so far this season, that is good. <laughs> um, and the bar is really low on that, but that was much better. Um, and we should have won the game, really. Oxford were pretty poor. Um, they did look like they could win it near the end. Uh, Town ran out of a bit of Huff at the end, but it, it, at the end of the day, if we'd taken those chances, the game would have been comfortable. Um, and they were good chances. And for me, that's the bigger thing. It's the creating of those chances rather than the taking of them 
the big issue that we've had this season is creating chances. And that, and you're not going to score many goals. You're not going to score a lot. Um, it's not entertaining. We're all pretty bored. Um, and it's just not going to, it's going to lead to one, one thing, and that's the manager being removed and try something new. Um, but Oxford, it was surprising. We actually had some really good chances. We played on the front foot. And had we taken the chances, we would have won that game. But for me, we then backed that up against Hull. Straight away, we went into that game. We didn't expect, nobody expected to get anything out of that game. I think only one person predicted a draw being the best result. And, um, and throughout this, I think throughout this week, we looked at this week and we've got Doncaster coming up, got Accrington, but we had four teams who are basically directly above us. And we all thought we'd get zero. So the fact that we got four was, was pretty good. But for me, it was the, it was the performance against Hull that really encouraged me. It, it, we, we dominated them. Um, and had we had a little bit more now going forward with some of the younger players um, having a bit better decision-making, then we would have had a couple more goals. And I don't think anyone could um, pretty much complain if we had won that game 2 or 3-0, to be honest. Uh, I can't remember Holy having to make any real proper save. Um, the only the only chance that they had was from that uh, rush clearance by Dazelle that they somehow missed from five yards. But apart from that, they, they created very, very little. And I think the whole team put in a real shift. And that's the thing. They... they all worked really, really hard. Defensively, it was really good. Forward play was a lot more direct. But with that, we got a lot more support coming forward as well, which allowed us to get more chances on goal. We should have scored a few more. That's probably the only gripe you can say. But the fact is, we won the game. So can't um, can't complain at all, because uh, no one expected us to win there. So overall... Very, very happy. Um, but like what Harvey said, uh, it doesn't change anything for me. I think Lambert has gone way beyond uh, the point of no return, regardless of whether he wins, whether he somehow dramatically gets town promoted this season and then promoted the next season and wins the Champions League. I, I still don't want Paul Lambert as manager because... It, it, it's just not been a good fit for me. Um, and I still don't think he's a particularly good manager. And you'll probably get found out if we did go higher up the leagues. Um, so nothing's changed there. But we're all here to support the football club, not the manager. And at the end of the day, regardless of whether a bit painful a win adds um, more time onto the manager's lifespan, at the end of the day, we want the club to do well and go forward. So, um, really happy. I would say Troy Parrott as well, just just to say. I thought he um, he actually played quite well. He put in a, a real shift. Yeah, maybe he's a young lad and and his finishing isn't isn't there. But um, to be honest, I think him in the number ten. I think he's a great foil for um, Norwood. 
Um, and I thought he put in a real shift there on Tuesday night. So um, I don't think he's that bad. If I was going to say who the worst loan is, I would say that it's probably been Bennett's because he's got all that pace but does nothing with it. So, but uh, we won. Ooh. Yes. Oh, had a few reactions there. Before I go over to, to introduce Matt, I'm going to bring in Bloomers because I want to get his response to what Liam and Harvey have said so far about Troy Parrott. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, everyone has their own opinion and mine's not correct. So uh, that's the first thing I'll say. But just to, to back up the way I think, um, I know that uh, he missed some time at Millwall, but you're talking about wanting to get a player back up to speed. He did start the last four games for Millwall and I think had five games this calendar year for Millwall and was featuring since November. So he has had a, a long run of games coming into to us. So any kind of you know rust you'd expect him to maybe have probably should be gone by now. He's only what, uh, quickly checks his notes, 19 years old. Uh, so, you know, we're not talking about someone who theoretically should take long to get back up to speed. Um, and yeah, okay, he, he's not scored a goal for either club this season. And that's... You can judge that. Um, but I'm thinking more of a decision-making because I can count on two separate occasions on uh, on Tuesday night where even if you don't have a shot, you, you have a chance for a golden pass. There was one in particular where uh, he was breaking down kind of like the right-hand side. He could have squared that cross goal or he could have taken a shot on himself, but ended up dillying and got to sort of near the byline. And by that time, he, he, his cross was blocked quite easily. Um Again, these things do come with time for, for a young player, but I, I can't think of one thing where I've gone, yeah, that, that was decent. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, Bennett's just there. I'll give him a little bit more slack because he has missed a, a, quite a few games and all of a sudden got parachuted in when no one expected it coming on, on Saturday. So um, I thought he had a better game than Parrot on Tuesday night. But, but yeah, that, that's the kind of the way I, I've been looking at it for Parrot. Um, and again, I'm sure that the, the next few people will have their opinion as well. But that's just me backing up what I'm seeing. And it's not me just doing a, a, an outlandish statement to get everyone's backs up. Oh, All right then. Well, next up, I'm going to leave John till last, the mainstay of the Game the Extra Time pod, because I've um, he's the last surviving person from last week, um, as the rotation policy is happening right now. But Matt is back, a.k.a. from the U2. Bono from Segs' point of view. <laughs> Hi. Yes. Well. Um, yes. uh, I saw your disbelief when Liam was saying about Bennett, so I hear that he, he is your boy. Um, your thoughts on the Oxford and whole City win, unchanged for the whole City win as well, because, um, you know, the Oxford, that was a, a surprise. Seven changes for that game, and then whole City in unchanged 11, uh, including Bennett's. Shock, shock, horror, horror, shock, shock, horror. We remain unchanged for... I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll try and find that one out. But yeah, Ox Oxford was was when all the changes came in seven, as you said, and I think that's when the whole um, bomb squads. Can we say that nowadays? Dropped yeah. players, stroppy players. I don't know. Um, so that that that's and, and things needed to change. We we were all fed up. Northampton was the straw that broke the camel's back type thing, wasn't it? So Ox uh, the the Oxford game. We did play better. These um, much maligned green shoots that have been mentioned, I think they really kind of came up through the um, through the spring soil that day. 
And yeah, we were unlucky not to win. Um, moving on, and we, I think we saw a change of system as well slightly, didn't we? Like a 4-4, four, 1-1. Four, one, one. It's, it's quite hard, actually, when you're watching games. If it's not a flat 4-4-2 four, four, or this 4-3-3 three, three that we've been doing, it, it, it's quite... I was trying to figure out on Tuesday, um, which I'll move on to in a minute, what formation we were playing. But yeah, Tuesday night, 1-0 at Hull. Um irksomely wearing our needless away shirt but hey we won so there are more important things in the world going on at the moment um but yeah it's just nice to kind of see a semblance of a bit of style we had some flair we've seen as mentioned on the main pod some some partnerships NCR and Wilson um looking solid as a rock at the back um we all know NCR has got a mistake in him but Wilson, he's he's he will always be my number one um, central defensive choice. Um, he is what he is. He's a League One no nonsense centre back. He does he does the simple things well, and that's about it. And I think you know maybe Paul Lambert has finally realised that this tippy tapping kind of pass it around the back crap it really is not. It, it might look great when Barcelona and Juventus and Bayern Munich do it, but. We are in League One. We're, we're playing Burton Albion, Northampton and Accrington Stanley. Who were they type teams? So, you know, we just need to stick to our strengths. And that's what I thought really kind of came out on, on, on Tuesday night. Um, I mean, the pass from Miles, Kenny Kenlock. That's just the app. It's just, I've watched that go about 20 times now on, on the community and on the train. And it's just, it's just brilliant. the way he finds it, the way that the, the ball bounces and it sits up for Norwood. Um, with his um, with, with his man bun, which I'm sure is 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 not an intentional man bun, but um, yeah, it was just it was just great. It's just we we've, we've just been fed up like the way that it's been going. We we all know we all know that our players have got this sort of thing in them, but I just don't think we've been setting out and and playing to our strengths. So it was really nice just to kind of see it finally come to a four. And, and, and get that win. And I was, I was nervous. I was quite invested in the game when, you know, as, as the game went on. Hull, I think, yeah, Hull, Hull weren't as good as what their form has suggested. But we, we made them look poor um, because we, we were so good. And it is, isn't it nice and refreshing to be able to, to, be able to say that? Um, but, yeah, kind of standout players the last, last few games. I mean... Let's let, let's talk about Troy Parrott. Troy Parrott has undoubted quality. Um, I mean, form is temporary and class is permanent. The lad looks class. I, unfortunately, I, I just he, he's a little bit like my like my boy Keenan Bennett. Um, just doesn't know what to do with it when he gets the ball. He he can beat a few men. He can he's strong. I mean, he, what he's only what is he eighteen nineteen? He looks far more like mature than that. The way that he was holding people off and being strong in the challenge. Not not reckless like some of our other players have been, where they just chop people's legs in half and then like, oh, what 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 did I do type thing? Um, Parrot will get there, and I think him and Norwood, we need we need to keep Norwood fit. I think that's so key. He's easily our best striker. You know, we saw the goal against uh, Peterborough, uh, and um, and the goal on on Tuesday night. Just, you give him a chance, and he'll take it. I don't think there's a, there's anybody else at the club, and we kind of we started to see little bits of that last season there's this whole big joke about i think it's segs that jokes about how um norwood can't finish one-on-ones but he's 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 done pretty well the last few um yeah 
Bennett just doesn't know what to do with it. I think he, he when he crosses the ball, he's trying to get it into the next postcode, like I've said before, um, and, and, and Parrot as well. Um, I kind of I see where I see where Bloomers is coming from. Um, talking about Parrot, um, he's dubbed the next Harry Kane. But you know, Harry Kane had a slow start to his career, and you know, I hope I hope we all look back in a few years and kind of think, well, he did all right for us. Now that he's like worth like hundred million pounds and playing for Barcelona or whatever. But yeah, overall a, a good week, and we and we move on to um. To, well, Liam's got his hand up, but you're, yes. you're the producer, Ross, so I'll let you go to him. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, like my opinion, Para, he's definitely got the swagger of a professional footballer, um, but now can he back it up with scoring goals and getting assists? We'll have to wait and see on that. But um, yes, he I needs would... to if he's going to do TikTok videos like that. Oh, uh, just modern day footballers with TikTok. And, oh, just uh, don't get me started. Don't do don't get it. Started. Delete, delete Twitter, delete Instagram. Nobody cares about your holidays, Dabba Dabby. Just score goals and like save penalties. That's all we care about. Yeah. Win, win trophies and all that jazz. Um, over to you then. Last then, Johnny boy. Oh, good old John Watson, as I always call him. I'm not calling you old. It's just my phrase, all right? Good old. But um, <laughs> we've been been like schoolgirls texting each other while everyone else speaks about, you know, your cat cookie and your dog Ziggy and all that. And I was saying, you know, cookies making her debut on the pod, but she's disappeared. Where's she gone? Well, she was sitting behind me, listening intently to what the guys have to say, and then Ziggy appeared at my feet and was just glaring at her, and I was waiting for my computer to be knocked over because there was about to be some kind of raucous uh, fight, I think, but they've settled down. Um, and Yeah, I feel a little bit old when we start seeing people like Troy Parrott on uh, on a TikTok, because I'm not a TikTok goer, a user abuser whatever you want to say um but uh and thankfully you won't see me dancing like he does so that's a probably good thing for my children that they don't have video evidence of their dad being really embarrassing um in that way but yeah i agree with everybody on troy parrot he should maybe do more of his talking on the pitch and less on um, tiktok for me i will start with troy parrot i think the thing that maybe I haven't heard mentioned enough. I think I agree with what Bloomers is saying about his decision-making and end product. But what he has brought is he has been the closest player to Norwood in that 10 role that any other player has been, or to any of the forwards who have started this season, really. Um, so I think it was Andy was saying um, on the main pod about him being a striker by nature. So he, he's playing in the number 10 role. And it's giving us the 10 being more of a striker than more of the midfielder. And that's been a huge difference for me. I think that was one of the, his, because his work rate was huge. Now, for me, a professional footballer should be able to run for the entire game and chase and hurry. But he did that particularly well, I thought. So while he, what he lacks at the moment is end product, a bit like Bennett's. They've both got touches of quality. And you, you can see them as being this unfinished article, but they've both got real potential. Um, so I'm happy to give Parrot a little bit longer, um, you know, before I judge him. I think his work rate on Tuesday night was the most impressive thing. Going back to the Oxford game very briefly, because was it just is it just me or does that seem like like four or five weeks ago? I don't know if it's just because life's been really busy outside of football as well, but. When you were talking about the Oxford game, I was thinking, 
God, which game was that? It's it's all blurred into nothingness. And it, but all I remember saying to you after the, the the game when we spoke on Saturday, which was only a few days ago, um, was that because it was a massive step up from Northampton. I think I said something about I'd rather put a rusty needle through my own testes than watch the Northampton game again. And so that's that's how low the bar was. So obviously anything with a semi-decent performance or average performance is going to be better than that Northampton um, shambles, really. Um, now, I'm going to be a bit controversial. and I, I was so upbeat yesterday because we had that victory on Tuesday night. And I've done a bit of reflection today and gone, do you know what? Were we that good or were Hull that poor? And I agree, Matt says that we, uh, we, we forced Hull to be probably worse than they actually are. And that says something about the way we bossed the game. But I'm just going to read a tweet here, which I really liked. And I wonder if this makes anybody on the panel and um, think of another club. So this is BBC Humberside Sport, the equivalent... And the, the guy uh, I, I used to listen to a lot when I lived closer to Hull, a um, guy called Burnsy. He does a breakfast show, but he also does the, the football commentary. And he said to Grant McCann after the match, Grant, that's one win in six, Grant, not promotion form. And McCann said, funny how people always say uh, six to make it what they want it to be. Why not the last 10 or 15 Burnsy then said, five wins in 17 isn't promotion for me either, Grant. So, whilst we're blowing smoke up Hull's backside about being a top team, five wins in 17. Now, my namesake, Stu Watson, uh, on the main pod, talked about Hull being um, Ipswich a year behind. And honestly, I could, I'm happy to screen capture a chat between me and my dad, who's a Hull City season ticket holder. I text that to him during the match on Tuesday. I said, you remind me of us. You're playing like we normally play. You're letting teams do to you. You're sitting back and let, let, letting them take a foothold in the game. And we haven't done that very often this season, so it was lovely for us. But I was watching the Hull City team thinking... How did they beat us 3-0 at our place when they weren't that clever? And I, I said to you all at that time, my dad says Hull City aren't very good. My dad says all the fans think they're, they're, they're fortuitous to be where they are. They're not really behind McCann. And they are Ipswich Town a year behind where we are. They've got different ownership problems, but similar lack of belief in their owner. I think... I think the Alums have done a great job at Hull in some way, and I'll get shot if I say that too loud in Hull City Centre, um, because they did put the club back on the map, but they've withdrawn funds and backed off. And again, you can see links to Marcus Evans there. He threw money at us when he had Roy Keane, and his investment, he can't maintain it or isn't interested in, in maintaining it, and he's backed his investment off, which they're like a, a ghost ship, if you like. And a bit like Ipswich, so there's a little bit of me going, Hull aren't that good, and we need to remember that. And actually, if you remember last season, and earlier on this season, Donny absolutely smashed us this season. And Donny, even at our place, was one of the few games I made it down to Portman Road last year, in October time, late September, early October. I think it was a nil-nil draw, or one-one draw. And they were the best side uh, we had played at that point. They were the only side we didn't really get on top of in the midfield. So they drew with Hull. So maybe they're about a similar side to Hull. 
if we suddenly think we've made it, then we're kidding ourselves. So that's my caveat. I'm going to now be positive because, my God, Tuesday night was so much more enjoyable as a fan to watch. Um, I really enjoyed the game. It was like, this is what a hobby should be, fun. <laughs> this is like what, it's not just a hobby, is it? it's a passion. And that's why we sit and watch it when it's awful. But for me, everyone was better. And, and I think it was, um, I think it was Harvey said, man to man, everybody performed really well. I would say, you know, if you look at individual battles, we won all the battles on the pitch. Let's just talk about the players who were really impressed for me. I thought Dazelle was quietly brilliant throughout. He was really good. Kenlock, what has happened to him? If it is down to what's it, like brilliant, feed him more. I'll buy him a pack and send him them. You know, he, he's doing fab at the moment and good on him because we all wrote him off. I wrote him off and he's come back in and he's getting more confident. Will it last? Who knows? But let's back him while he's in the team and he deserves our backing because he's come in and you know, who I would never have put Kenlock above Ward, even though Ward faded. I would never have put Kenlock. You know, I would rather have played um, Danassian at left back, or you know, than have him there. But you know, he's doing well, so credit where it's due. Wilson, touch of um, class for League One. When I'm talking about class, that's I'm not suddenly saying he's going to be signed up for uh, a top Premier League time side or even a Championship side. But he's a no-nonsense Ron Seal guy, isn't he? He does what he says on the tin. He, he, and it's no surprise that since he's been back in the team, we've been better long-term for the rest of the season. I, I would personally like to see Wolfie alongside him and bring Wolfie on, but I don't think Lambert likes Wolfie. And Norwood, man of the match for me, led the line so well, made a real difference. And like Liam rightly says, if, if we lose Norwood, you know, when Drennan came on, he ran his socks off, didn't he, in that short time and closed people down and harried. But he's not a Norwood, and I don't mean any disrespect to him. You know, um, Norwood's so crucial for us for the next few games and probably for the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot, lot better. The, the only thing I want to um, kind of, a couple of other quick points I want to make. A bit about the, was it a brilliant tactical genius by Lambert or was he a bit lucky when he made the seven changes was it it felt like a last throw of the dice you know and then it, it kind of he's brought in NCR and Wilson again and bombed Wolfen and McGuinness out of the actually the squad I believe I think um, we, um, Bloomers was saying earlier on to me just before we started that they weren't even in the uh, the, 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 the starting squad they weren't even on the bench um, and not to have either of them on the bench seems weird to me. It seems personal then. It doesn't seem... But you can't play them week after week after week then drop them both if they aren't carrying injuries. Um, so what's going on there? Like, where did... You know, we hear about some players needing to be nursed back into it and needing games in the belt. And, and then Bennett's, he's brought back in. Where, where did that come from? So... You know, what's going on with our fitness at our club and looking after the players? There's a big question mark in that for me. And the other thing just to throw in is I was, I think the Stu on the main pod was talking about this team that we've had out um, unchanged for the last two games has had a really good balance of ages. We've got some of our younger players or young 20s and some of the more experienced pros like Chambers still in there. Um, Norwood 
kind of at his prime, but you know, thirty. You you know, most you would probably say twenty five to thirty would be like the, the, the ideal age. And I was thinking, yeah, I kind of agree there. That makes sense. There is a good balance. Bishops twenty two or whatever he is. Then I suddenly started thinking, actually, what we're really missing is 25, 26, 27 year olds. And then I suddenly started thinking, oh, John Nolan, Caden Jackson, not even in the squad. Now, if we're talking about a blend of ages, surely they're the kind of people you want in your squad. And that goes back down to Paul Lambert's uh, strange band management. We all have fallouts with people in workplaces. But when you're professional, you can put a fallout to one side and still want the best for the, the overall picture. But um, I, I personally would have liked to see Jackson come on for the last 10 or 15 minutes because the whole City defenders would not want to have played against him. You know, he would have given us another out and maybe Bennett or Parrott could have done a different job or one of them could have sat out and Jackson could have done the running around. Um because I don't think we're going to get 90 minutes out of Norwood every game. Certainly not Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So, um, yeah, I would just like, um, I think it was again Harvey was saying, there's, for me, Lambert has to go still. I, I'm not changing on that. Unless we get promoted at the end of the year and he starts apologising for being a prat and starts treating us with respect when he does press conferences and doesn't come out with his bullshit about it was very good when it wasn't. This week, he should have come out and said, we were really, really good. We were excellent. I couldn't have asked for more because we all would have gone, do you know what, Paul? We agree with you. The lads gave everything. They were organised. You gave them a team plan and they executed it. I mean, it's not difficult. When you break football down, you put the best people out for that job and you go, come on, this is what you need to do. You encourage them, you get them motivated and then hopefully they go and do it. And that's what they did this week. And that that pleases me. The big test is what we do next, isn't it? And Lambert's still a prat, let's be honest. I, I've fallen out of... I tried so hard to like him. I didn't want the appointment. I fell for his PR. And it's going to take a mighty change around for me to ever be a fan of Paul Lambert. I still think he's not the right man for the job. One win and a draw. You know, let's be fair. We're still, what, 10th in the third tier? That's not great, is it? So let's be positive. We've improved, but it would be nice sitting here in another month going, do you know what? We've won three of our last four games or whatever. We've drawn two, won three, and only lost one. That would be progress from the previous couple of months. So let's build on that. Right, I'll shush for a minute. <laughs> No, well said as always, John. And I was rubbing my hands together, ready for a good segue until you mentioned Lambert and Pratt. And I went, how can I segue that into something? But I'm going to segue the Nolan Jackson chat about the bomb squad. A few players mentioned it already. Um, you know, both of them played on, for the under-23s on Tuesday. Uh, Tristan Noyden made a return. Um, so that's great to see him uh, back playing for town um, after that long time. He was out since July 2019 after breaking his ankle against Notts County in pre-season. That was just uh, heartbreaking for him. But, um, Bloomers, uh, your thoughts on what's going on in terms of Jack and <clears throat> Nolan? And it's, it looks like it could be McGuinness and Wolfie now. They're, they're travelling, but they're not actually in the 18. It's, uh, it, it's weird to see on Twitter when a football club's Twitter announces an under-23s team for an afternoon game. And you get about 25 comments that say, this is a better team than our first team. Like, this is what was said about our 23s team 
on the Tuesday afternoon before the whole game because the amount of first team players that seemed to be on that um, on that squad list was was ridiculous, and and the likes of Nolan Jackson were, were among them. Um, we could be accused if we had a few more wins of overanalyzing this because we are certainly not the first club and we won't be the last club to have first team players fall out of favor start playing games in the 23s and whatsoever but it's telling that it's almost as if paul lambert has done this as just like another little bit to put on top of the stack that he's made for all of these confrontational things that's that's occurring, which is he's at the forefront of, and by which I mean the no showing in press conferences, the not having the press on side when he does speak to them, to accusing the fans of this, that, and the other, accusing Blue Action of this, that, and the other when he met them, were members of Blue Action he met when he took the role uh, all those years ago, because it feels like a lifetime. Um, so yeah, it's 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 it could be approached two ways. In in my way, it seems I don't want to say ridiculous, but it seems very old fashioned. And when I say that phrase, I mean back in the day when managers maybe had a bit more say than they do now, especially with the way players can now seem to have a lot more power when it comes to transfers. Um, that he is ostracizing players which is in turn ostracizing fans for almost no good reason now we don't know what happens behind the scenes um 99 of in the know people who claim they're in the know aren't in the know if you were in the know you wouldn't say you were so just keep that in mind for anybody that uh seems to proclaim on twitter they're in the know okay um it's just another kind of little twist that lambert seems to be putting that's ostracising fans. And look, that, that extends to uh, Wolfenden and McGuinness travelling all the way up to Hull on Tuesday night and not even being in the squad. Um, for my in my experience and to my knowledge, it's normally a young academy player who's on the fringes of the first-team squad uh, that sometimes gets those places because, you know, you do travel with maybe an extra person or whatsoever just in case there's an injury in the warm-up or whatsoever. So, so it's not uncommon for their someone to be left out but are you telling me on the face of it that uh Wolfenden or McGuinness is going to be learning anything from from drowning all the way up no obviously not you know if you're going to be give if you want to do that to someone like why not like an Elkin Baggett who could possibly benefit from it more being uh much less experienced than both Wolfenden and McGuinness I know McGuinness is coming to this club for experience but in my impression that was being out on the field getting experience because I'm not sure how happy Arsenal are going to be letting this guy just travel to Hull and back. Um, that's not an only Fools and Horses reference. Travelling to Hull and back and not uh, actually getting any game time or even being in the squad. So, I don't know, it's a funny one. Um, it's, in my opinion, just a bit crap. I don't see what the need is for it. And you've got Jackson... On social media defending himself which he's got every right to and saying he's a professional player and pretty much everyone backing him up it could be because Paul Lambert's not the flavour of the month and again we don't know what goes on behind the scenes but to me it just smacks of a man in Paul Lambert who's out of touch and old-fashioned and in 2021 um, 
that's the exception rather than the norm and it doesn't bode well in any way shape or form i don't know what he's getting out of doing this like does he think that they're a bad apple and like the squad is going to be morale is going to be improved that these two players are, are not even in the match day squads anymore and now playing in the 23s i don't know it doesn't seem that way i know we've played well these last couple of games but i certainly don't think that's the reason for it so yeah it just sticks in the craw a little bit i don't I'm not going to sit here and, and rave and rant about the decision, but to me, it just isn't the right thing to do. But you guys might have other opinions on it. Okay, well said. Um, well, we'll go over to Harvey then, get your take on all of this, Bomb Squad and all that jazz. Yeah, I mean, we'll, st- we'll start with Tristan Nidem. It's, it's great to see him back. Um, I know Stu mentioned on the main pod on Monday that um, oh, sorry, was it the other day, yesterday? I can't remember. I, I listened to so many of them. Uh, that at, at one point, it was Nidham that was ahead of Downs in the pecking order. Um, so that just goes to show the, the, kind of, the kind of player he is. He suffered a really, really bad injury. Um, when I think of Nidham, one kind of memory sticks, sticks in my head the most is when he played uh, left-back against Norwich, uh, when that, that game was live on TV. And Mick wasn't the kind of manager to just throw kind of young players in out of the blue. He wasn't that kind of manager. We all know Mick was, he liked his experienced heads and that kind of thing. And after the game, they interviewed him and said, why why did you think of of playing a young player like that at left back? And he said, because he's different class. So I think that shows how how much of a good player he is. Um, Hopefully he can, it's going to be a long road back for him. Of course it is, but he's still young, still only 21. Hopefully he can, um, he can work on his fitness and, and get back into the, into the first team ASAP. Uh, regarding the whole bomb squad thing, I mean, Lambert's got history with this, hasn't he? Everyone goes back to his Villa days with, um, top I think it was in Zogbia, Charles and Zogbia that was in there, Shea Given, Darren Bent, uh, Stephen Warnock. So he's got history. Um, and going go to Bloomer's point, which made me think of, of managers and kind of not moving with the times. He almost reminds me of, of like a Poundland version of Jose Mourinho in the sense of, you look at Mourinho's situation at the moment with with Bale and Deli Ali and people like that, and he's got a reputation for dropping people out the side and then bringing them back in. And I think, rightly or wrongly, in, in, in the kind of modern times that, that we're in now, that's not how to get a reaction out of probably 90% of footballers. Um, you know, you could argue that, right, okay, you're in that, whatever you want to call it, you're in that bomb squad. Go out and show me now that that you deserve to be in the squad. But I think it's a dangerous, dangerous route to go down. You know, I saw James Norwood retweet um, Jackson's um, tweet when he said, you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to put up with him not wanting to perform for the team or anything like that. So I think once you go down that road, it's it's very, very tricky to to work your way back, basically. Um, but it, I, it just made me think of the whole Mourinho situation with, with Tottenham. I just, I, I don't understand it because I don't know about myself. I always saw John Nolan as a Paul Lambert favourite. I think every time Lambert spoke about John Nolan in the press, it was, oh, Nolan's a terrific footballer and he's he had something different and he's always been in and around it. Jackson, not so much this season because of the, the change of formation, but Last season, he was a regular. Um, 
you know, you don't score seven, eight goals and get 11 assists or whatever he did if, if, if you're not a good player. So he's got his limitations, Jackson, but I completely agree with what John said about bringing him off the bench for the last 10, 15 minutes. Regardless of the, of the, of the scoreline, it'll scare the life out of defenders. That then seeing Jackson on the, on the side, they'll, they'll know about his pace and he'll be the last person they want to see. So they both, for me, have got a lot to offer still. Um, in the squad, I know it's a it's a it's it's a bloated squad, but for me, those two players, we've seen what Nolan can do. You know, you go back all the way back to West Brom, that West Brom game where he was outstanding. Um, so for me, they've still got something to offer. But did it surprise me? Not particularly, because as we've said, Lambert's got a history of doing this, and, and I don't think he'll ever change. Um, so. It doesn't look like they've got a future at the moment. But then saying that, he had this bomb squad at Villa and then all of a sudden, randomly, he brought them all back in at the same time. I think he played all of them at once or something ridiculous like that, which is even more damaging. You don't know where you stand as a player. So um, I don't agree with it. Personally, I don't think it's it's the it's the route to go down. But Paul Lambert's decided to go down that route. He could argue it's working at the moment because we've got two or three positive results. Long term, will it work? Not for me. It's not sustainable. Over to you then, Liam. Um, you've heard what Harvey and Bloom has had to say about the bomb squad in Noydom. Your, your, your take on everything. Um, I'm, I'm delighted Noydom's come back. I mean, it's it's a, a really hard thing as a footballer to have a really bad injury like that. Um, he's been out for so long. Um, and his, his career has been a bit stop-start. Uh, I think he, he struggled... Um, I know uh, Bloomer's made uh, reference to his loan spell at St. Johnston, but I believe that that was curtailed a little bit by injury as well. So he hasn't had a lot of football um, recently. And, and then obviously the last year, after what we thought might be a chance for him to kick on last season and then getting injured in pre-season, it, it, it's great to see him back. And, and let's see what happens. Um, it's just... <laughs> It's going to be a conundrum, obviously, um, and I think this is another question for another day, but obviously he's coming into an area of the squad that is already very over-bloated, I would say, with players. Um, although I believe he can play at full-back, potentially, so that, that could be something that maybe Town will look to but I mean obviously this is this is future considerations because I don't think he'll get many games if any for the first team this this season coming back but um going forward um it's great to see him back and hopefully he can now actually start his career properly because he is still a very young man um in terms of of the other stuff it's just absolute nonsense I, I, I it's really poor man management. It it really is. I, I I if if the player came up to you and told you he didn't want to play, or made an excuse about not wanting to play, then you can question the commitment. You can question that. But for me, Nolan Nolan saying that he would rather stay with his wife and child than travel up to Crew to be a reserve which is more likely he is going to sit in the stands than actually be part of it. I mean, I think, 
I think it more goes back to the the bit at the beginning where apparently, and I mean, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but Lambert has apparently told him after chomping at the bit in train that he will be part of the 18. And then he's told he's not going to be part of the 18, but he's travelling to crew as a reserve. Well, I'm sorry, but that that's not on that's not on you shouldn't be giving players mixed messages if he's going to be part of the 18 he's going to be part of the 18 you, you shouldn't make false promises if if you want to give yourself a bit of leeway and say look i'm still thinking about my squad but don't don't tell someone yeah you're going to be part of it and then take it away but still expect them to travel plus there's a pandemic on. if there hadn't been a pandemic then i don't think there's I think Nolan probably would have gone and there's not much to it. But there's a pandemic and he, he's got a young kid and wife at home. I just think it's appalling. And, and there's as everyone else, as, as Harvey has said, about Nolan being a Lambert favourite. I think it's just a really strange thing, strange reaction to that. I, I, and for me, that excuse for me doesn't cut it. I cannot believe that a player who Paul Lambert has been pretty behind for most of his tenure, I cannot believe that with one little bit where Nolan has said he doesn't want to travel, that that has made Lambert completely exile him from the first-team squad. I think that there could be more to it than just that, but that is the line that he is trying to lead you down. Jackson, for me is worse because we haven't heard anything about Jackson. He got sent off and now he's been exiled. Well, I don't get it. Plus, I don't think that's doing him any favours because if we are, if we're talking about um, uh, Evans and Danassian and not wanting to sell Danassian in the last window because he has an actual monetary value that Town have paid, and they want to get some kind of comeback from that, whatever that might be, because he doesn't seem to play games. Lambert, uh, Jackson, sorry, at 1.2 million, I think we signed him for, and he's exiled him. Well, I, 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 I mean, I, if if Evans and uh, Lambert are going to have this discussion this week, if they haven't already, I think that's going to be on there because I think uh, Evans will be like, well. I spent, I put that cash in for him, and now you've exiled him for for what reason? Um, I think he's the second best striker in the club, regardless of the the formation. I still think you have him around the the team because beyond that, you've got uh, Hawkins who scored one goal and is injured, and Drynan who works hard but isn't up up to the quality. So I think I think it really is on that one. You're, you're cutting your nose off to spite your face which makes it even more now imperative that Norwood stays fit because you haven't got Jackson behind there if, unless he brings him back. I don't think he's doing himself many favours, Lambert, and I don't think it does particularly well to squad harmony, but Town have seemed to have improved the last two games, but I, I don't think uh, that in the long run uh, it's going to particularly do Lambert any favours. Okay, then. Um, I've got John's raised hand. Um, if that's okay with you, Matt, I'll go with the John first and then we'll, we'll leave it with you later on. Um, so, John, take it away. 
just want to praise Harvey for his uh, brilliant Poundland Jose. I love that. Um, I'm going to crack a gag that I used on Twitter a few months ago um, when there was a picture of um, Jose talking to Lambert or on the sideline and there's a caption competition and mine was, uh, you know, something about you call me, I'm the special one and Paul Lambert was saying I'm the name normal one. So if he's the Poundland Jose, he's the, rather than being special, he's just name normal, isn't he? Um, the other thing to just throw in to, with a bit of uh, going back to the, the players who have been bombed out and a player who I think has been poor all season and should have been bombed out, but we just aren't mentioning and is a player we forgot about. Where's Amir Hughes? Where is he? Has anybody mentioned him? Has anybody seen him? Is he in the, is he in the 23s? He's not playing for the 23s. Is he in the squad? You know, I don't quite know what's going on with that. And yes, his form was really poor, but it wasn't that long ago since Lambert was rotating Hughes into And now Hughes is even further away. At least he's referring to Nolan. He's not even mentioning where Amir Hughes is. So whether he's had another setback and he's just back on the grass again or whatever, or he's because he's frankly made of glass, isn't he? You know, he's um, and he's just sadly a bit like Tristan Nydam missed so much football I going back to Tristan Nydam as well though Ross I saw him play a f- good few times and I, I saw him play more in central mid um, and he's got a tough for he's not the tallest player but he's quite hard like I don't mean dirty just he puts his foot in and he wins the ball and I, I, I liked him I, I, I got a lot of time for him so as, as Bloomers was saying and everybody's been saying when you've been out for that long, you know, it's brilliant to have somebody. That journey must have had some dark moments. So it's brilliant for the lad himself that he's back on the grass and now actually playing a, a real game. So that that's fantastic. He'll probably use the rest of the season a little bit like Lancaster had to do to get back up to just playing. And then hopefully he stays fit and has a pre-season with us. Um and either stays with us and earns his contract. But before this injury, there was even talk about him being with Kenlock for left back. And, you know, so left back or another midfielder, you know, when we have a clear out, if he returns from to full fitness, then I think that will be a good thing for the squad and certainly a great thing for him. So congrats to him for getting back. Because I'm sure being out for so long must have been a really dark journey at times. Um, and it must be quite lonely when you see all your other teammates, you know, people like Downs and Wolfie, who he's played with for years, suddenly in the first team performance. So um, credit to him. But, you know, as for Jackson and um, Nolan, I obviously had my say. I think either Wolfie or uh, McGuinness, I would have Wolfie on the bench just because he's ours, not because I don't think McGuinness is that much better than him. But I'd rather develop our own than Ohlone. But I understand what uh, you were saying with regards to um, Matheson being an upgrade because Chambers could play, do a job at centre-half, absolutely Matheson an upgrade. But, you know, why have Ward on the bench? If you're going to have a second defender, have one of our youngsters, have Wolfie there. or well, not youngsters, you know, one of our young pros. So, enough for me. OK, then, then. Matt, over to you to round <clears> up <throat> this bomb squad chat, plus Trissa Nydam and some other bits we've chucked in between. Um, what, what's your take on everything? And, um, yeah, wrap it up. I think the bomb squad um, case is quite an interesting one, really. I think Paul Lambert's flexing his muscles whilst he whilst he still can. I mean, let's start with um, Caden Jackson. Um, I don't think he's as good as 
what he thinks he is. Um, there's, you know, I saw a lot of promise from him last season, but he is, he's almost like a poor man's Premier League, athletic, quick, but not that much skill and not that much end product, which I'm quite loath to say, really, because he's given me one of my <clears throat> greatest footballing memories whilst in sat in the U2, and that's that fantastic um, last gasp winner against Wimbledon um, at the start of last season. So, but he that's that's the second time now in the last two seasons that he's been sent off for a ridiculous challenge, which is which has put us in trouble. And obviously, there's been some conversations that have gone on behind closed doors with him. You know, we're not privy to that. That sort of thing never really um, comes out. Um, but I don't know. Maybe he's not reacted too well to to some feedback. So. To whatever shit sandwich he's been given um, by the manager, Nolan's an interesting one. You know, as a as a as a family man myself, it's um yeah, it is it is crap being taken away from your family or or whatever. But you know, he has flattered to deceive uh, this year. I've never really been too convinced by him, despite the fact that yes, he does have some great statistics from the start of the year and from from last season as well. I think to be honest, he wouldn't. He'd struggle to get on the bench now, I think, uh, particularly the way that we're setting up at the moment. But again, I, I think he he's a professional footballer and that is one of the pitfalls of, of being a professional footballer. Um, I think there was something, I think I read Stu or Andy possibly wrote about that they had to tell him to calm down at training um, and perhaps he's not reacted well to that. I don't know. We, I'm just, you know, I'm just guessing now um so he's been told to calm down at training and then i think that is potentially what has sparked him being being left out altogether and going up as the i'm trying to do some quick maths here the 19th man you know that that spare man which yes usually goes to a young pro and yeah i'd like to see people at elkin baggett but <clears throat> let's not forget on the day of the whole game there was the under 23s game um, and yeah, that was that was a cracking team. But you know, let's let's move on tonight. I'm really really pleased for the lad. Seems like a, a, a decent lad um, with a decent background, with 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 some decent pedigree. You know, he made that really really good start to his career. And that sort of injury is, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. I'm not sure Ross how long he's got left on his contract. I think he's got another year, hasn't he? He's out of contract, but the club have got an option on him. Right. Okay. Well, they're going to be exercising those um, options soon, aren't they? It's usually about March, I think, yeah. uh, that they tend to do that. So that, that gives the players six months to leave for a new club. But yeah, really good to see him back. Um, let's just hope he doesn't do what um, certified baller KVY hashtag 24 does and, and, and gets injured again. Because, you know, we need somebody with, with his versatility. You know, he's he's a great left back. He's going to centre midfield. We don't have anybody else that can do that sort of thing. Um, let's talk about the bench. Um, why have an ageing left-back who has form has dropped off the table and um, and, a, and a great little right-back? You know, we need a defender. Wolfenden or McGuinness, I'd say McGuinness is slightly better in form. I think um, Wolfenden started to believe a bit of his own hype. You know, Lambert said about him last season, he's, he's so laid-back, he's almost horizontal. Well... You know, maybe this is, and I actually agree with him being left out. This this does give him a kick up the arse. You know, you look at people like Enciala that have come out from the wilderness 
have come in, two solid games, no defences, no ridiculous penalties. And I'm just so happy James Wilson is back. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think a lot's gone on behind the scenes and some might come out in the wash. But, yeah, SOS, Emir Hughes. It's a pity. I like, I like Hughes, but he ain't done it for me this season. He didn't do it for me last season. But he, he's, he's another confidence player. But you know, we've got a massive squad. We've got loads of players absolutely brimming with centre midfielders. And, you know, you've got Nidam that's, that's come back that's... That's another one. So I think interesting times ahead. I'd like to like to be a fly on the wall because next season, I think our squad's going to look very very different. But yeah, I think I think I don't know. Is is now the time? I think we're kind of resigned to the fact that possibly Paul Lambert may be here until the end of the year. I don't know. I don't know whether that offers you a, a segue into upcoming changes potentially at a high level. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, maybe now's the time to kind of um, consolidate and everybody at the club give each other a hug and, and take stock because, I don't know, with the protests and, and Paul Lambert coming out and saying silly things and man, and players putting stupid stuff on Twitter, I, I think, to be honest, with the Jackson thing, you know, saying nothing would have been far more of a classier thing for him to do rather than come out and write tweets in shouty capital letters, which is never a, never a, 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 a good look, a good look. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, well, Matt, well said as always. And yeah, you have segued me into um, the next, well, thing we're going to talk about, the next set piece. Um, I'll try to figure out how I'm going to segue it because no one's ready. No one's mentioned it at all. When I thought someone would have mentioned it at some point, I was like, someone please say it. But um, it's just rumours. It's just social media talk and all that jazz. Um, so we are going to talk about the USA. USA, the American takeover that has been uh, going doing the rounds the last week or so um you know the main pods the lads spoke about it um very much nothing very much into it in the moment but it's always good to get your guys take on it so bloomers take it away your thoughts on this um a pinch of salt boom chuck it out there but um yeah what do you think uh, i'm hoping this is gonna be a bit of a speed fire round because there's not really much to say if i'm being perfectly honest um if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume you're a, a, a relatively knowledgeable football fan, but I'll just reiterate what I said earlier. If anyone that proclaims to be in the know isn't in the know. Just take that as a take that as your rule of thumb and you won't go too uh, you won't go too too badly wrong. We might get taken over. Will we? I don't know. Do I want us to? Yeah, probably. Do I think we're going to? I don't know. Is it gonna happen soon? I don't know. Is it gonna be this bloke? I don't know. Does this bloke uh, have any money? I don't know. <laughs> you might notice a theme here. I don't know anything, and none of you lot do either. Um, and I mean that in a nice way. Shall we wait and see? I don't know. Let's find out. We'll soon. We'll soon know because uh, Mister In the Know will tell us, even if they're not. It's all rumours, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't even meaning to say at that time. Um, but yeah, like, it's just just hearsay, isn't it? It's all a bit weird with uh, this supposed Twitter account of this person following Ipswich Town Football Club on Twitter and also following Bristol City 
and then supposedly this person as well in January saying that uh, their their company or himself, I'm not quite sure, is close to making an investment in England. Again, this is all hearsay and this is all just my opinion, just so Ross doesn't get hot under the collar for anything that we might say in the next five minutes. Yeah, let's let's just wait and see, shall we? I mean, I'm pretty sure if you'd have gone back to... I can't remember when he took over, but I'm going to say April 2007. Maybe it was a bit earlier than that when, when there was rumours that uh, Marcus Evans was taking over the club. It'd be interesting to know the reaction of people back then. I think we all know what the reaction was back then. So let's just wait and see. Nothing would surprise me in this football club. Absolutely. We could be rebranded Harchester United in a week's time and it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> we don't know. That is the phrase we're going to use for this section. We don't know. No one knows. Um, but Harvey... Um... Well, well said by by Bloomers. To be fair, um, what, what's your what's your take on this? Uh, I know you're you're the you're the king of loving listening to rumours. Um, putting out there now. Um, I think we we all, in a way, we all like rumours, don't we? We always love reading about it. A lot of times we go, that is bullshit. But um, it's always good just to sometimes just joke about it and talk about it. Well, first of all, if we do rebrand into Harchester United, if we've got a striker half as prolific as Carl Fletcher, then I'm more than happy. So that's, that's fine by me. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it is all rumours, isn't it? I mean, if we are being sold, it's certainly not going to be for £40 million. Um, I think that's, that figure is, is way, way too much for, for a League One club. Um, People, including myself, are putting two and two together. I, I am the kind of person that likes to clutch onto any straw possible. Um, we all need a bit of excitement at the moment during this pandemic, so why not get excited about the takeover that probably won't happen? Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things. People are, you know, seeing that he follows it, which is on Twitter and Bristol City, but he also follows QPR, Swansea, a few other teams. So um, what he was thinking when he got notifications randomly about 150 fans started following him. I don't know what he was thinking, but um, I think a, a change of approach would be nice. Of course it would, but it's, it sounds like it's not anywhere near close to being advanced. Um, I said to you off air, Ross, you know, unless Stu and Andy or, you know, someone with someone that actually is in the know, um, tweet about it or report about it. Um, I'm going to try and not get too excited. I know our little group chat says different when I'm constantly posting these pictures saying that he's going to be the next big thing. Um, but it's one of them, isn't it? No, none of us, like Bloomers has said, none of us know until until it actually happens. Um, one thing I will say is there's not many clubs left to take over, so we are, we are one of the few that are, are probably up to sale now. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, as long as, as Evans keeps the club afloat and if he does sell, and you know, he's doing it for the, the best interests of the football club, um, I certainly wouldn't blame him for, for wanting to sell. His, there's no secret that his businesses have, have been hit massively by COVID. So um, he's probably in a position at the moment where he's he's more eager to sell than, he, than he's ever been, to be honest. But um We'll have to see what happens and until it's until it's concrete or until it's um, until Andy and Stu tweet something like we understand, then I'm not getting excited. <laughs> Definitely, and um, it's been a, it's been a mental week. Just loads of things going on at the club, and um, this just added 
to the fire, really. Um, Liam, your take on, on all this? Um, well, being a qualified journalist um, and having oh, dabbled in, You're in the know in the in in the industry briefly, <laughs> uh, not anymore, unfortunately. Um, I know that uh, you need to make sure that your sources are secure. And for me, looking at a load of Twitter, um, people on Twitter saying that they know this and know that, uh, for me is not an official source of information um, and is just rumour. Everything revolves back to Evans and he's had interest before and has knocked them back pretty much. So in the middle of a pandemic, will that change? I don't know. The only thing you could say is his businesses rely solely on hospitality, which has been completely decimated during this pandemic. Uh, that That's whole sector. Maybe he thinks maybe it's time to sell up and concentrate on trying to rebuild his businesses back up once this pandemic is gone. Um, look, we don't know. I, I, my gut feeling, I think Evans will be here uh, in the summer, um, beyond. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Okay, then. Um, John, take it away, then. Um, your take on all this. Um, yeah. I think we... We're recording on Saturday when this is all going about, and uh, we're like thinking, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> yeah, it, it's odd, and I guess I totally agree with um, Bloomers that none of us know. I don't claim to know anything. I, I'm often late to the party because I've been away from my phone for three or four hours, and suddenly go, "What's happening?" And you know, so I I'll find out after all of you lot. So I'm not I'm not saying that I I'm in the know at all. I guess all I want to know in due course, is it credible? Is it real? If Marcus Evans is good for his word, if it's right for the club, he says you will sell at some point if it, the right bid came in. So let's say for a minute that it is possible that somebody's in negotiations. Let's hope that that happens sooner rather than later. And the main reason I say that, I know the salary cap issue is temporarily being turfed out. But we have so many players, and we did a little spin-off uh, podcast a few weeks ago, Ross, about the players out of contract. And if you don't, if you know a takeover is going to be happening, usually a new owner wants their own manager in. None of us fans really want uh, Lambert in. So if the takeover is going to be happening, I want it to be done in the shortest but best time frame for due diligence and, you know, things legally take a long time. I would want that to happen sooner rather than later because I want, if there's going to be a change of owner, I want them to bring their manager in so he can make a, he or she, uh, can make a uh, decision on all of our squad because actually, you know, using a quote from um, uh, Warnock the other day, um, do I want uh, Lambert to make those decisions? Not for me. You know, if we're going to have a different manager, I don't want that manager signing, letting some of our players go for nothing and uh, keeping some of the other players and then we suddenly change our manager two months later and then you're stuck with some of the squad that maybe this summer is vital for our squad turnover. So if that's going to happen, I want the new person in, in post to make those decisions. 
And I guess the, the the only point to add, because I think everybody said everything that we do know, and let's be honest, we don't know much, um, is it is plausible in logic, and logic isn't always, uh, you know, assumptions aren't always perfect, but one of the reasons he may have decided, Marcus Evans is, to stick with Paul Lambert is if he thinks this is potentially in the offing. You know, I've heard people say, well, the only reason he's not sat Lambert is because the, the new owners can do that. Why pay off a contract, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that makes some sense. Maybe that's a little bit of convenience, I don't know. But ultimately, like um, Bloomers and all the boys have said so far, we just, uh, we'll have to sit it out. We can't influence it. I'm not a multi-billionaire or a millionaire who can go and influence it. I wish I was, because I would go and try to have my two pennants worth. But, um, you know, let's be honest, um, Evans doesn't listen to fans. He doesn't talk to fans. Um, Lambert doesn't value us fans particularly now. Uh, so... It's up to the club to decide. We're, we're inconsequential, really, aren't we? The only time um, Evans is going to start caring about us is when, um, and I wish I could afford a season ticket holder, uh, to be a season ticket holder and pay for my travel, because I obviously don't live in Ipswich, and I'm not going to, but I'll go to as many away games as I possibly can when when it's safe to do so. The only way it's we're going to make Evans realise we're not happy is through season ticket sales and... Ticket sales generally, shirt sales, I follow sales, whatever it is. And that might be another th- three or four months before we realise there's nobody's renewing season tickets while Lambert's there. And then we might have missed the boat on getting somebody in. So I would love to think that there's a, a good consortium with a good heart and a good, uh, you know, an owner who wants to do the right things and not throw money unnecessarily and build properly. You know, you look at the success of somewhere like Leicester now, you look how well established they are, you know, but you, for a Leicester, you've got a Bowie or a Bolton, so careful what you wish for. Yes. Uh, let's all smash our piggy banks up and let's see if we can buy it through town. Don't think we'll get any close. Um, but uh, Matt, over to you then um, to round up this section on the, well, we don't know <laughs> situation. Yeah, I don't know, but I tell you what, I, I I do know. I do know that I think the time is right, and I've got a good feeling in my proverbial waters with regards to it. Um, I've got um, I've got a friend in America who I have set to task to find out more information about this um, about this individual who is going to be heading up allegedly. A consortium. I think the British uh, side of it is going to be the current chief executive of Bristol City, mm. who, reading their timeline, <laughs> that doesn't make good reading at all. Um, it, it, it does excite me to get Americans involved. They do pro, pro sport very, very, very well. Um, a lot of the things that they do well, we are sadly lacking. The time's right. Um, I'm excited. But we, somebody could be shithousing us. So, you know, who knows? But like Bloom has rightfully said, we don't know how, we don't know when, we don't know anything. And anybody that does claim to know anything is, um, is a bit of a jackass, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, a few faceless Twitter accounts, hashtag whatever, you know, is, is, isn't really going to change our, our spirits. But I think we can all be, you know, 
the Evans thing, just going off on another kind of um, Matt tangent here, the Evans thing is an interesting one because I think we all wanted it to work out, but it's just, we've just stagnated, haven't we? And we're just kind of, I wouldn't say we're in free fall, but things could be and arguably should be much, much better. So um, let's see. Due diligence and all that. Okay, then. Well, let's um, preview um, upcoming games <laughs> of that long chat there. Um, Doncaster, Accrington. Um, Doncaster travelled to Portland Road and then a, a long trip for the boys on Tuesday night to the Wham Stadium. Accrington Stanley, who are they and all that. Uh, catchphrases and stuff. But um, Doncaster are a weird team. I've, I've looked back at their results and they've not had a good February. Um, only one win out of five games. Uh, that was earlier this early in the month. 3-2 win against Oxford. Um, but then a loss against Fleetwood, 3-1. Sunderland, 4-1. Uh, Lost against Accrington, 1-0 at Doncaster. And of course, they had that six-goal thriller, 3-3 with Hull. Um, Bloomers, over to you. How are you feeling going into this after we're currently got three clean sheets in a row and we're three games unbeaten? We are. And we are. So, yeah, no, we are. You don't have to think about it twice. Um, it's a, uh, give me another test. I'm, I, I said nothing surprises me with this football club, so no result, to be honest, would surprise me. I'm certainly more confident going into it off the back of Tuesday night, obviously. I think it will be a, I think it'll be a game that will be affected by no crowd more than others. And that sounds like a really weird thing to say, considering that we're a year into having games with no crowd. Um, but for all that everyone mocks Portman Road for not having atmosphere, or at least not atmosphere compared to what it used to when there was one tier on a stand behind the goal, and now there are two tiers in the atmosphere. But when it comes to these kind of games, us home fans kind of knew when it was an important game, and I feel like this really is an important game. Because if you beat Doncaster, who are sixth and um, might not stay sixth much longer, especially with the fact that some teams have played 27 games at the moment, some have played 31. So if you beat Doncaster at the weekend, and all of a sudden we are back in the playoff hunt. You could argue we were never really out of it. Um, but then you'd only be saying that if you were looking at the table and not the chaos that was the football club itself. Um, I don't, I say I don't think we'll win. That's probably the pessimism coming through again. But if you approach the game in the same way as Tuesday night, um, I think we might come unstuck a little bit. I think that kind of battle-hardened, uh, very basic, rudimentary plan worked for the whole game. I don't necessarily think it worked for the Doncaster game so much. Just that, they seem to strike me as quite a defensively aggressive team. They're certainly not keeping out many goals, especially at the moment, but um, I'm not quite sure if our maximum fruits could be obtained by approaching it like Tuesday night. But again, just just nothing would surprise me. It's the Accrington game I'm scared witless about. Absolutely scared witless about. I, I think we'll lose the Accrington game, almost certainly, just because... I've got bad memories of going up for the FA Cup third round game a couple of years ago um, and freezing my bollocks off for a horrible 1-0 defeat. And then last season, we had the first defeat of the season 
coming in the game against Accrington, which was live on Sky, in which uh, I can't remember who got sent off, but I'm sure one of you will remember who. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we'll lose that game just because Accrington have... Everyone says, who are they? Well, actually, Accrington are the team that are above us in the league and going all guns blazing for uh, the most unlikely championship berth since Yeovil Town. So, if we took three... If we took four points from the next two games, I'd be delighted. I think we'll take less than three just by going for the fact that I don't think we'll, we'll I think we'll lose to Accrington and it's difficult to see a win against Doncaster. But yeah, if we do get three points or less in the next two games, I think you'll find this all of a sudden little bit of burst of positivity will go right down the drain. But it's going to be an extremely crucial two games. And unfortunately, whenever it comes to a crucial game, this football club folds like a pack of cards in the last 20 years. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, let's let's say if you want a stone cold prediction, I will go for 1-1 on Saturday and then a 1-0 loss on Tuesday night. Okay then. Well, um, Harvey, we've got to back up, don't we? Against Doncaster, uh, a fantastic win against Hull. Now we've got to see if the squad is good enough to make it back-to-back wins against top sides. Um, your thoughts on Doncaster and then Accrington on Tuesday night? I uh, I agree with Bloomers. I'm, I'm more I'm more worried about Accrington than I am Doncaster. Um, I think the Doncaster game is going to be really really tight. I, I I do. I think both teams will will not want to give too much of the of the game away. Doncaster aren't, I know they were flying earlier on in the season, but they're not brimming with confidence at the moment. Um, so they've got some good players. They've got Josh Sims down the wing on loan from Southampton. He's a really good player. They've got some some danger danger men there. You've got James Coppinger, who's about 63 years old and still doing it. Um, so it's going to be a, a, a tough game. Uh, prediction for Doncaster, I'm, as boring as it is, I'm, I'm I'm going to say nil-nil. I oh. think both teams will want to cancel each other out. Um, and I just think it'll be a really, really tight affair. Um, and I take a point with it, to be honest. Uh, Accrington, first of all, I think John Coleman's done a, a terrific job at Accrington over over the years. I think Darren Moore's done a very, very good job at Doncaster as well, by the way. I'm shocked, to be honest, that he's not been um, approached by a, a bigger club because he's done... He's had half his squad taken from him and done really well. So, both very good managers. Um, interesting with with Accrington because they traditionally kind of played with with wingers. I know they had Clark, who's at Luton now, I think, and um, and a few others. They seem to have kind of stuck to a, a diamond formation way of playing now. But regardless of what system they play, they've always got two up the pitch, and, and those two are really good strikers, um, Bishop and, and Charles, who for me, um, are going to cause our, our defence a lot of issues. They're, they're both work, you know, we talked about partnerships earlier on in the pod, uh, blossoming between Parrot and, and Norwood. Uh, Bishop and Charles are, are a partnership that's been blossoming for the last 18 months and, and they really are reaping the reward of that now. Um, so I think it's going to be a really tricky game. Uh, Appleton, I'm going to go for a 1 0 loss. I think the way they play, they. You know, again, going back to kind of town earlier in the pod, we almost, terrible as it sounds, 
we almost want to get to the stage where Atkinson are at now, where they're not changing too much of their personnel every week. They know they've got a style of play. Each team, each player knows what they're doing in that in that team. Um, so I think they'll just have a bit too much for us. I'm going to go for a one 0 loss, but um, hopefully, hopefully I'm proven wrong. Fingers crossed. Uh, but again, like like you said, if we don't back up the the good result against Hull. I think we're out of the playoff race, to be honest with you. I think the next few games are, are really, really crucial. Um, I think Downs will come back in. Norwood might be given a rest. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he rotates it at all or whether he brings Guion back in, your boy. Um, we shall see, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It is, it is indeed. And um, over to you then, Liam. Um, we've got a bit of the green shoots, it seems, on Tuesday. Will we see some more against Doncaster? Um, I hope it's not nil-nil, as um, Bloomers and well, Harvey predicted, which is just not what I want to see. I don't want to see another goalless draw. We've had Northampton and Oxford. You want some goals. Um, your thoughts? Well, I mean, with um, John mentioned about Hull earlier in, in the pod about their run a form over the last 10 whatever so many games well Doncaster actually in their last five have lost three and have actually not won in four games so they're actually in worse form than whole work coming into the game that we played on Tuesday night I mean it's still very <laughs> you're very it is very difficult to try and get yourself too excited because we've been here before and we've had all had our, our fingers burnt. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be positive. Uh, I, I'm going to say with Doncaster at the weekend, I think Harvey was right, it is going to be tight. But I'm going to say a win by one goal. I am, though, pretty terrified of the form at Accrington. It's a tight pitch. Um, tight little ground. It's obviously no one's in it, but I, I don't know um, if we're going to have any space to be able to do a lot. Um, but we have to win at least one of them, if not both of them. Now I think we're in a situation where we can't we can't now say draws are acceptable or or, or the odd defeat here with the. They have to go on a run. They have to prove that they are good enough to be one of the better sides in this division. And they haven't done that. And this is their chance. There is a little, a little tiny bit of optimism. They have to now grab hold of that and properly take advantage of it. So I'm going to say two one nil wins um, because I'm an idiot and um, uh, I'm pretty much. Uh, well, got nothing to lose in the prediction league uh, as I've dropped quite far down the table since the start of the the season. Um, so I'm going to be optimistic and probably do something that most people probably won't do and um, predict two wins. Um, I've done this before and been completely, completely um, <laughs> had egg on my face. So I probably will next week. Uh, by the time we get to next week, I'll probably be sitting there with that egg on my face. But I'm going to be optimistic uh, that there's going to be two wins. Um, not by many goals. It's going to be 1-0 on both if it is going to be a win. they actually, it, Town have to win pretty much both of these games because 
there is no game in hand to kind of fall back on against these two sides. Um, so, and if they are going to get into the playoffs, they have to make a statement. They really do. And this would be it. So, probably driven by madness, I'm going to say 2-1-0 victories. Okay then, John, over to you then. Are, are you going to be positive like that and think we're going to back it up twice? 1-0, both but 1-0 wins against um, two teams in the top six. So, what are you thinking? Do you know, Ross, I'm in real uh, turmoil because I want to be positive. But I think I'm going to be negative with my predictions because I want them to be wrong. and I, uh, So, I'm going to be deliberately pessimistic and hope I'm just wrong. Um one of my mates said to me once about Ipswich, he said, um, a twist on the, the cliche, form is temporary, crap is permanent. So um, <laughs> um, I wonder if that's going to be the case because our form is temporary. We need to decide if our, our, our terrific whole team effort on Tuesday night, because that's what it was, wasn't it? We were a team from 1 to 11 or... 1 to 44, whatever it was, um, the 11 players on that pitch all did well. If we play like that, there's no reason why we can't beat Doncaster. If we play like that, there's no reason why we can't beat Accrington. But I said at the beginning of the season, it's bloody League One. Why should we be scared of anybody? And we're 10th in League One. Uh, and it shows you how bang average this league is, that we're only 13 points behind second place. How is that possible when we've been that shite? Uh, you know, for the last few months, that's scary. Um, it says something about the league because it must be just a muchness of a muchness. Having said that, the two teams we're playing are slightly better in you know than us. If you want to say that, the league table by this point in the season is a fair representation of what you've you've earned, and they're slightly ahead of us. Home to Doncaster. I'm going to go 1-1, Ross. They can score goals. They came back from 3-0 down against Hull, didn't they? Or 3-1 down, I can't remember which. And uh, Coppinger came off the bench on a, a special game for him. He designed his uh, the gold away kit, his 17th season as a Donny player. That's, you know, round of applause there. That's a proper one. That's a Mickey Stockwell, isn't it? That's a, a, a true servant to a club. And he still got it. His free kick was spectacular um you know he's a nice fellow i've met him as well he's he's all right as um uh, you know as a, as a guy he's quiet but he's a good fella i know he was linked with ipswich at one point and never quite happened um but when it comes to Doncaster, you know like we said their february's been awful but they can still score goals i i think we underestimate them at our peril do i think we'll go out and win no 1-1. One, one. Do I hope we go out and perform and win? Absolutely. But I'm going to go for a 1-1 one, one, um, against Donny, and I'm afraid I'm going to go for a 1-0 defeat at Accrington. I hope it's like Liam says, a 1-0 either way. I think it will be tight for all the reasons we've said. We're not conceding many. We don't score many. Things are going to be tight. Was it Dobber who was sent off at Accrington last year? Yeah. I was there that day. I think quite a few of us were. Um, it was it was one of those games you suddenly think, oh, we weren't that good that day. KVY was missing or 
got stretched off or went off at half time or something as well. And that was the last time we saw John him. John Edwards, right wing back. That's what I remember. Oh, that's right. Yeah. My God. And I remember he was right in front of me, and Chambers and Skuse gave him absolute belters all game. Really, really giving him some, trying to G him up, I suppose. Yeah. But it's a tight pitch. I know the fans aren't there, but it's still kind of intimidating in a way because it's small. I know that sounds stupid, but like, it's a different sort of uh, experience, I think. One I enjoyed in the last two seasons when I've went both times. Um, just can't see us getting it. You know, I, I would like to be proven wrong. But if you look, the draw against Northampton, the draw against Oxford, the win against Hull. So we've got five points out of nine. Really, we need four points out of the next two games to make that a, a better run. Anything less than, you know... Two draws ain't good enough. A win and a draw, probably not good enough. You know, across that little period, we always look at like, you know, runs of five games or six games. How many times this season have we said the next few games are crucial though? And again, the next two games are crucial. So I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to go for 1-1 one, one and a 1-0 defeat. Okay then. And um, before I go over to you, Matt, I just want to sort of bring up um, the game is, of course, being dedicated to, you know, football versus homophobia. Um, of course, uh, David, our very own David, is part of a, a group to bring back the Rainbow Tractors um, in support of the LGBTQ plus group, uh, supporters group, and supporting that. And this game is dedicated to that. And I think that's a, a fantastic thing to, to bring up and a fantastic awareness, um, definitely with you know supporters and players and as a whole. Um, and I think David is going to be doing stuff, um, doing an interview and doing a social media meeting and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, Matt, if you want to expand on that, you can. And also your, your thought on Doncaster and Aquiton. Yeah, thanks, Ross. So, yeah, this Saturday is um, quite important uh, in, in that respect. And, and, and the respect is that football really is for everybody. You know, I'm not going to um, sit here um, on like a pedestal and kind of preach. But I, I think we're kind of in a new age, really, of kind of, realization of of that um and, and this saturday um dave has asked me to give a shout out to rainbow tractors who have scheduled an open planning meeting uh before the game at midday on saturday so they're at rainbow tractors the lgbtq plus um kind of fans uh, association so if you want to get involved with that follow them on twitter and um ask for an invite um to the to the zoom call i think or is it on skype I guess other platforms are available. Um, so moving on to the predictions, I'll keep it short and sweet. We're going to win them both. We're going to smash them both. Um, it's going to be three nil on Saturday. Um, we're we're facing up against two two decent sides. Yeah, they're above us in the table, but they're both out of form. We are in form, and yes, I'm kind of counting the you know the last two games since we changed it up with those seven changes a couple of games ago. But yeah, um, three. 3-1 on Saturday and a 1-0 shithouse on, uh, against Accrington on, on, on Tuesday night. We're going to see Downs back involved. We're going to see Wolfenden back involved. Um, I'd really like to see Tyree Simpson. But that's only because I see him when I'm walking my dog. But I don't think we will. But yeah, we're going to 
we're going to see a couple more wins and then we'll be like, oh my goodness, we're seventh. What were we all complaining about? The blip has gone. The good times are rolling. USA. (laughs) (laughs) Very very good. Um, I've got a raised hand quickly before we wrap up and it is good old John. Um, Take it away, wrap up. One real quick point, Ross, just out of a bit of interest on uh, social media today. Um, at two, well, it's two points very much linked. Paul Lambert apparently said today he's not interested in the Celtic job, which, you know, you know, I, I can rule myself yeah. out there running as well, um, you know, because, you know, he's I've got about as much chance as him of, of getting the job, I think. And apparently the firm favourite with the bookies now is a certain Mick McCarthy. So I'm just going to leave that with you because he's apparently the favourite to get the Celtic job. Um, and I think there's some kind of ironic, if he was to get the Celtic job, I would wonder... Uh, what Lambert would feel. I just think that's quite amusing on a, on a, a kind of ex-Ipswich Town manager front and hopefully both will suit. Well, the other one will soon be an ex-Ipswich Town manager as well. Lambert out. I would love to see, just quickly, I would love to see a Mick McCarthy Champions League 1-0 shithouse victory over Barcelona. <laughs> I would take great pleasure in seeing that. Well, to be honest, with Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace on Monday night uh, doing the, the most shit house win I've ever seen, it's clear that Mick McCarthy just learned off Roy Hodgson. <laughs> Pretty much, but you know, Mick, Mick has done a decent job at Cardiff. They're now in the playoffs, aren't they, I saw, which is mad. They'll lose their arch rivals uh, in the second leg and one of their players will get sent off and they'll concede a penalty. If anything, it's history to go by. <laughs> Very much so. But there we go then. Um, well, Matt, John, Harvey, Bloomers and Liam, thank you for joining me as ever. It's been one hell of a show. Once again, many things have been talked about. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed listening. Um, if you want to get involved, make sure to drop me a message at Ross Media UK on Twitter. It's always good to get some new voices heard and also people making their returns and you know, more game day regulars doing the rotation policy. But um, as always, uh, follow Kings of Anglia on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok is not happening. So don't not worry about that. Just why? What's the point? Just, yeah. Um, but there we go. Um, I've been Ross. I hope you've enjoyed. And we'll be back next week for some more Game Day Extra Time. Bye-bye. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
facebook.com/slash/chat